is there just a correlation there between Southern Baptists and hating on the government? Is it just like a libertarian thing? Is it just a hundred percent? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We um, yeah. Yeah. No, like <laughs> you're telling me that a thing that a group of people with Southern <laughs> proceeding in the name hate the government. It just perhaps, perhaps we'd like to do a history lesson on on as to why the Southern Baptists <laughs> exist. Dearly beloved, welcome to the Unblessed Podcast, where we inquire and exposit the mysteries of that ancient text, that good book itself, the Holy Bible. We are not theologians nor historians. We are but armchair philosophers who spent years in seminary or on a church staff and have since departed to make our own way. We invite you now to read, think, and laugh with us as we dive deep into the denominational doctrines of the divine in the Unblessed Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Unblessed Podcast. My name is Evan. And I'm Scott. And we are 2X Bible Highlighters. Scott, did you ever highlight your Bible? Um, Yeah, I did. I, I was more of an underlining my Bible. Ah, more of an underliner. You just you know. underlined the Bible. You didn't highlight. You didn't use any of the... Uh, yeah, let's break this down for our listeners. This is yeah. a very riveting conversation. So when yeah, I was making like, notes... yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, what, what? Yeah. How would you make notes? Let's see. I would usually start by, I'd start on the word that I wanted to make a note of, or phrase ah. for that matter. Ah. Or, or even entire verse. Yeah. And oh. I would underline um, what I wanted to make a note of, so I would remember later, so I could go back to that page and go, Ah, yes, those words are uh, underlined, so I can and remember. Did you? Them. No. <laughs> um, I was a huge dork, and I had two Bibles, Evan. I had a Bible that was my show Bible. It was the one that I just I didn't make any notes in. It was just more mm-hmm. like... Oh, I, I get you. My study. Had, just the one I would read and kind of just you know take to church and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I had a take to church Bible. I had a study Bible. Um, I had an apologetics Bible. Oh, Okay, damn. You yeah, had a whole tool I belt. Exactly. I was I was ready if anybody was going to tell me God wasn't real. Did you, like, would you swap your Bible based on your mood for the day? You're like, I'm going to evangelize today. I better pick up. The I Bible. also, this is how much of a fucking nerd I was. I would read in my study Bible, but I actually liked to look up the verses that I was reading in the Matthew Henry commentary nerd (laughs) and i found that to give me more context a lot of times and honestly to be more brutally honest about what i was reading it might have contributed a little bit to who i am now because matthew henry was himself a puritan and you and he was like consider yourself a puritan exactly and (laughs) he would just be like yeah this verse means slave and i was like yeah i guess it does (laughs) (laughs) 
Or it's like something like whenever you see like servant or slave like show up in like the Bible, it's just like, well, when they talk about slaves back yeah, then. Yeah, it was an elected really, position by the person. You know, an, an elected position by the person at sword point from yeah. the person who now owns them. People willingly like, went into slavery yeah. back then because it was fine. Or, or they just, yeah, or they just don't have a note about it. And then, but then like old Puritan Matthew Henry is like, yep, slaves. I'm always just flabbergasted by that take when people are like, well, biblical slavery was a lot different than today's. And we need to, and I'm like, where do you think we got the term and word slaves from? And why does it have such a negative, like, <laughs> no, it was not that, like, just people, hourly it was, workers. It was people, a job. Yeah, it was just a it job. It was a job. They fed them and clothed them and they loved them and hugged them and kissed them every day. They're slaves. They're, they, of course, they're being loved and taken care of. <laughs> like, God, so stupid. It, it was. It was so. It, it, I, I just. Did, I never liked the narr- the like push for how different it was in any sort of sermon. I'm just like, let's call a spade a spade. Yeah, let's call it it's slavery. I could see that cases for why it was maybe different than what we have envisioned slavery like in america yeah. meaning like it was might have been more brutal and then maybe they had different practices for like acquiring slave all that jazz but like to say like oh what they had a thousand years before uh, yeah. was so much better of a system to own well, and we, like <laughs> the biggest difference is that Crazy. rome was not a plantation-based society Mm. In that sense, like your slavery was house slaves. Yeah. More often than not, or, you know, serving in the military, different things like that. Like your slavery was a little bit, it, it wasn't as much, you know, the economy wasn't built on the back of it. Yeah. I'd say like kind of rather ignorantly, but like um, as much as, as much as America's economy was. Sure. So. Well, you hear it here first, everybody. Evan is changing his tune. So we, Slavery was okay. <laughs> no, dear God, no. I'm just, the, that's I'm the kidding. difference. If, if you want to say they were different, that's the yeah. difference. Everything else was the same. Yeah, like, absolutely. It was the difference of where they were slaves, <laughs> what they were doing. Like, Yeah, it, it was. It's always funny that people hear those like, uh, I, even in like this freaking ESV study Bible, they'll try to justify how slavery was run. Um, but I did not highlight those portions as much in the Bible. Maybe I should have, but, um, but back to note-taking, paint me a picture, Evan. Did you like do a full setup when you read the Bible? Did you get books out, notepads, ready to hear the word of the Lord? Yeah. I had a moleskin. Of course. I had a... Bible. Essential. Yeah. (laughs) Normally for reading the Bible, yes. And then normally I think like I, the Bible I was either using a study Bible or I would um, use a commentary with it. And again, I found myself using the Matthew Henry commentary more often than not. And I think a little bit more of that is just because Something that I just found lacking in a lot of uh, my readings a lot of times is a frustration I had, like with the ESV study Bible and stuff like that, is they just didn't have commentary on every verse. They would skip. 
like we saw last week. Anytime there's like yeah. a tough verse, they will just they will just choose what verse it is was to embellish. Fucking rare that Matthew Henry skipped a verse. Like it was oh, yeah. like it like it got down to like measurements and details. It's, I mean, like oh, it's, yeah. it's why the commentary itself like has survived so long. I remember reading that. Yeah, the Henry commentary. Yep. It's. I mean, it's a very well thought out commentary and stuff like Dude that. Dude had thoughts so, on everything. That's I know. Like, every he, verse he, he had a thought. <laughs> um, when I was feeling particularly in the mood, um, in the mood, if I Get a really saucy. Wanted, when I was really wanting to treat myself, I had a book <laughs> of sermons by Charles Spurgeon. <sighs> Yeah, and I would look up the particular topic Stop or that it. verse in there, and I would read his sermon because you know, oh. Charles Spurgeon's sermons, contrary to what uh, Calvinists, of, oh yeah, also contrary to what Calvinists of today uh, would like, they were not exegetical. One, oh. uh, they were very topical. They he just picked a topic and he just ran with it, and two, they were short. Break down exegetical for yeah people, uh, not me obviously. I know yeah. very well. I, mean, I, I know what that word. Means. I know what uh, that big so, word means. <laughs> yeah, let, let's dive into Christian culture here, specifically Christian seminary culture. Um, oh, how exciting! Oh my god! <laughs> um, this, yeah, yeah. Christian seminary culture is so virgin. <laughs> <laughs> Just for lack of a better word, I don't really know um, how to describe that just because that encapsulates like all of it. Yeah. Um, and not that that's a bad thing, but it is just like, man, I have to. And there is there's this thing in, to first understand it. You have to understand that there are people who believe that you are predetermined to be saved by Christ and people who believe that you just choose to do it. So it's kind of a free yeah. will versus destiny type thing that's going on. Um, and John Calvin decided to complicate it further at one point. And he was like, actually, the predetermination part of it, there's five points to it. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, um, total depravity, which means we all suck um, and that we all are deserving of hell. Um, I forget what you is. It was... Ir- no. Uh oh! I should know this. Wait. Um, tulip. Uh oh! Uh, wait. Tulip. It's Calvin. Calvinism. Oh, isn't it like un unconditional? Unconditional. Election. Yes. Yeah. Like, unconditional uh, election. So you have total depravity, which means you all suck. Unconditional election, which means you don't have a choice in the matter of being saved. Limited atonement. Limited atonement, which I always had a hard time understanding. Basically, um, just died for only certain people, and that's it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, limited yeah. atonement meant that Jesus only died for the people that He would elect, that He would save. I is irresistible grace, which means you cannot resist. That's a, uh, if you uh, are chosen, you cannot resist being saved. You can't, which leads into P, which is perseverance of the saints, um, which I think John Piper turned reversed into preservation of the saints um and a oh. fun little thing but basically yeah yeah calvin's version was perseverance of the saints means that the saints will endure um piper's preservation of the saints meant that 
even if somebody leaves the church, there's they're going to be in heaven uh, because they made that decision at one point in their life. Um, which means we're still going to heaven, which is great. Yeah. If you're worried about us, <laughs> you don't have to because we're Calvinists, so we've we're already yeah. saved. Now we were Calvinists. Really uh, double saved. Yeah, for for sure. So all of that to say, so I bring up Tulip to show you like ah. how nutty and like how deep in well, the rabbit all these people get and how serious they get about it. That's a great point. I think that's why like for people who didn't get into Bible study like this, because this is definitely more like itches more to people who want to go to seminary and actually do more yeah. of a education in the Bible. But some of the first things you learn when you're doing like true, like, you know, study of the Bible and, uh, you know, you're reading these commentaries and stuff. It's like, like you said, there is so much lore and just like beliefs and models that people have come up with over the last thousand years that you have to figure mm-hmm. out. And so like when you would do study, like Bible study on your own, you would always have stuff out. Like if you're in seven, like yeah. there was always a commentary out. There was always another version out. Like I know when I was in college, like really dorking it up with the Bible, I would always have two different versions of the Bible. It's like either like ESV and then like a different, like maybe a message or a King James, whatever I was feeling for that passage and I had like commentary a, yeah i had like the young's literal translation of the bible which oh took yeah like yep the like uh just the literal like just one-to-one word for word yeah one like what, how, what the closest thing that it was in hebrew or aramaic or greek or whatever and just plopped it in there so sometimes it made zero sense yeah <laughs> but it could it, sometimes it was helpful mm-hmm. um so, like, getting back to explaining exegetical, it's just it's hilarious how deep you have to go. Um, Calvinists, uh, which would be like Presbyterians, certain Southern Baptists on that side of things. Um, I, I think people who believe very much what they believe and they're like, this is right, they want to be like, all right, so I am going to preach through the Bible verse by verse, chapter one through chapter whatever, and just move forward. And whatever the story is, the story is, whatever the lesson is, the lesson is we'll talk about it, which gets fun when you get into Song of Solomon, Mm -hmm. as you may have experienced on our podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Like, how do you preach about that exegetically? You know, like... um, yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So that is the, so kind of to wrap it all back up, uh, that's what exegetical means with all these like Calvinist bros out there that you'll find, uh, and I hope you don't, <laughs> um, but, but that exists out there. And it's funny because Charles Spurgeon was like their hero and he never did it. Oh, Charles Spurgeon. Yeah, the, the worst. They... Yeah, it's essentially the the preaching of the Bible and teaching the Bible by the word first, and it gets a like you said a lot of hype in Southern It's virtue Baptist. signaling. It's virtue. It signaling. is. That's all it's it just really saying, is. well, I'm like truly teaching it the way it's supposed to be taught, and it's like the one huge glaring problem that exegetical pastors have wrong is that the, at the end of the day they're still adding their their spin on it. It's impossible yeah. just to read any literature and then give 
any form of interpretation or application and say, I'm not, I'm not tainting this at all. Like you're putting your own spin on it. Even just by emphasizing certain words, you're putting a spin on it. You know, you don't even have to like add any references, but all that I digress. Uh, taking notes in your Bible was such a chore. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I just remember like reading the Bible and I know as a kid, it was just like reading like a book. And then it just slowly turned into less of a book and more of like this a textbook textbook slash puzzle thing you had to like constantly be checking in with and like, oh, how's this ver- verse relate to this other verse that mentions blah, blah, blah. And like it's all interconnected and you start putting red yarn on your wall and thumbtacks and you're just like, this all makes sense. That's why you, I mean, what Southern Baptists get wrong is that they want to say every verse points to Christ, that there's like a, you know, a, uh, every single interpretation, every single whatever name of a Messiah has to point to Jesus. And it's like, how do you look at numbers, you know, what, 25 and go, this points to Jesus or, you know, any other verse that's talking about like grain law. It's like, no, you can't make it fit. No, <laughs> but no. these seminarians, like you said, they'll try to make everything fit in that worldview. But yeah. speaking of these dummies, who we t- there's a certain person that we're going to be uh, talking about, right? There's a certain uh, yeah. His name's Timothy Hawkins. Tim Hawkins for short. <laughs> Tim Hawkins, break break it down. I, yeah. This is a little bit new territory for me, Evan. So you're going to be the resident territory expert for you. here. Yeah, so Tim Hawkins is a uh, Christian comedian. He gathered fame in probably late 90s, early 2000s, um, and gathered fame for doing, you know, family-friendly, you know, Christian stand-up. Um, it was always hand-in-hand, too, family-friendly yeah. and Christian. Cause can't have- he did a... He did a version of a Bon Jovi song where he talked about how he was saved, and that was that's kind of his big thing, is Christian parodies. Mm. Um, so I'm gonna list list off a re. I'm I'm gonna list. I'm gonna rattle off a list. Someone help Evan. Oh my god, please. (laughs) Um, and these are all parody songs. So, um. Oh Lord! Just get the vibe. Oh no! Of who he is. Okay, I'm, just these. I'm two. ready to hear this vibe. Well, there's the government can. Oh, I listened to that right before this podcast. Yeah, yeah. And then the sound of Starbucks. Oh, I wonder what he has to say about Starbucks. Oh, you know it can't be anything good. Um. He also did one that I even found upsetting, like as a kid, um, when I was watching it, and it was uh, songs about like, ath- like if there was an atheist church. Oh, and he yeah. just basically takes like Christian worship songs or whatever, um, and he just, you know, puts his own spin on it. So instead of like. Jesus loves the little children, he goes, "No one loves the little children." And it just, all he's doing is pandering to a church crowd. Yeah. Let's like talk about that for a sec. Like what is, first of all, he just makes up this scenario, but like, so it's like the atheist church songs, which yeah, is 
hilarious to me that like you're just kind of building up this straw man of like atheists, like they're just horrible people and they're because they're godless, they must have all these other horrible things about them. Uh, I don't know much about this guy though. I didn't really grow up around. I have to ask for you, Evan, was this something shown to you like in church or just discovered on your own during? I don't think it was so much shown in church as it was like shown by youth group friends. And me and my family had grown up like watching a lot of stand up comedy. And so people would be like, this is the funniest guy ever. And I'm like, I think Eddie Murphy's funnier. (laughs) 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 I don't know if I want to. Right, uh, Cletus take the wheel is another, or Cletus take the reel is one. Um, pretty pink tractor is another one. Like it, it's just it's. I'm trying to figure out who his his target audience is because it's very unclear to me. Like it's tractors hating on Starbucks, hating atheists. Like <laughs> uh, who who could be his? Who could be? <laughs> <laughs> Who could possibly be his money-making audience? Um, I just pulled up his website. He oh, is Jesus. I currently on tour. This Let's Tim Hawkins live in concert. Now, what's funny to me is it's showing a lot of sold outs, but as I click on the sold out icons, they're broken links, which is fine. But then I look at the venue options and we have... Let's see. Peckville Assembly of God in Blakely, Pennsylvania. Cedar Creek Church in Perrysburg, Ohio. And Calvary Assembly of God in Beckley, West Virginia. Let's just, just for kicks and giggles, I want to know where Calvary Assembly of God is on Google Maps. Oh, look at that. In the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> It's right next to a Eckley Orthodontics and a Quality Inn and laptop screen repair in the middle of West Virginia. <laughs> well, I hope he's I doing just, well, Tim Hawkins, or whatever his name I is. I don't. Um, I don't hope he's doing well at all. Um, like, he is the epitome. If you want the stand-up version of your boomer aunt posting something about how millennials need to stop using money on avocado toast. That's what Tim Hawkins is as a person. Can you imagine the absolute roar of laughter he probably gets in these churches for some of these jokes? I bet he's just I have, like, yeah, I've watched them. Like I bet it's just people are cackling. And here's the thing. He's got good nuggets. Like he's got good nuggets that I always found funny. Like he talked about how like people would pray a hedge of protection mm. one time. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, he'd be like, you know, I always pray like a hedge of protection. That's it. Just a hedge. No wall. <laughs> <laughs> like that's Evan, just, don't make me like, laugh at his jokes. We're I, we're I'm ragging gonna, on this guy. I'm gonna make you feel complicated about no, it. No, we can't have a fair yeah, yeah. even opinion about this guy. <laughs> it's just like it's like the de- <laughs> the devil walks up and goes, Oh no, gardening. Stop it. No, I don't want to laugh. No. <laughs> but that's that's the thing. And that's where I think that's where he messes it is because that's where he can be funny is doing what we do to a less extreme. We're funny. Where it's like 
let's make fun of Christian culture. Let's let's look at Christian culture. Let's you know show the mirror of what we do. But then he takes it a step further and he does these songs like uh, the government can, for oh. example, which is basically just like who can take the, the first line is who can take your money with a twinkle in the eye. The government can. I don't I, I pulled up that video. I see it's from 14 years ago. So we're looking at 2010. First Obama term. <laughs> First year. Nothing has happened. <laughs> like, why is there such a crossover with these like, don't trust a government, like just go to church and believe in God, but you don't need any of this. I feel like, I don't know. I mean, I grew up in a family where they were kind of anti-government at times, but it wasn't like super hard line, like government's always going to do horrible things to you. Like don't give money to the government. But like, clearly that's Tim Hawkins is making money off videos like this, where he's pandering mm-hmm. to people like hating on the government. Like, what do you think? Is it like, is there just a correlation there between Southern Baptists and hating on the government? Is it just like a libertarian thing? Is it just a hundred percent? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, no, like (laughs) uh, you're telling me that a thing that a group of people with Southern (laughs) proceeding in the name hate the government. It just baffles me. Perhaps we'd like to do a history (laughs) lesson on, on as to why the Southern Baptists exists. In like what was 10 seconds, impetus? can you give me a whole Southern history of why? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. So Southerners wanted to own people and everybody else didn't. <laughs> and then they got shot over it. <laughs> oh, okay, perfect. So he's so yeah. he's pandering to... And some of them happen to be Baptists. <laughs> That's the other part of it. Uh, I just don't get like... I don't know, I... As a kid, I just followed what my parents said. So, you know, I was I was against Obama in high school because I thought yeah. Democrats were bad people back then. Uh, I didn't I had no idea that Democrats could just be good people for a long time. But I still don't. <laughs> Evan still doesn't. <laughs> nope. I'm yep. But uh I never had American the attitude. By birth, Republican by the grace of God. Jeez. I never had the full attitude that like everything government's bad. Like I like in his song, he's talking about like who takes your money and like gives away to other people. I'm thinking like, well, of course, like what else are we like? Of course the government does a charity. Yeah. Like (laughs) your church does that. Like that's what, yeah. It's like giving money to other people. Why is that a bad thing? I get that there's government corruption, but whatever. Yeah, well, and I also get like the 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 difference here is that the government can forcibly to and can be like you owe us money, but like there's there's some there's some kind of disconnect with the church. And you talked about this before we got on. Yeah, there's a weird disconnect that the church has against social programs, and I it's kind of hard to wrap our heads around. I would almost ask as to whether or not they're just in competition with it. I'm trying to figure out if it's a competition thing or just a dislike of the government. I don't know. It's very strange to me. Like, I think it's a competition thing. I think it's, we can do it better. So stop, we should stop giving money to the government that has it wrong 
and yeah. we should allow the church to, I mean, honestly, that was well, my standpoint my, for a while was as a pastor was yeah. like, the church should be the one taking care of the homeless and the sick and the needy, not the government. But that doesn't well, happen. That's, that's, yeah, it doesn't happen. And the, the wild part of all of this is, I think that's where it, it gets a little bit, where it gets like wildly delusional. Yes, it is. Is because, well, obviously we can do better and we're not. Um, and it supersedes what would be what would be the thing that makes the most sense as to why you would be in competition is, well, if people give more money to us, I'm going to make more money. Um, yeah. Likewise with the government. But oftentimes these things are just going like volunteer run. Yeah. It's just like there's there's such a like I watched the um, desperate yada 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 Netflix Amazon series I don't know um, how do I work my computer <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know what I'm just sitting here watching I Evan know where I am. flounder is nothing I don't know what's happening <laughs> where, where is everything I just let um, it shut down okay oh my god. Uh no, it's it's about twin flames, that cult that was out there. Oh. Um and had like, you know, it was uh Megan Fox and oh. Machine Gun Kelly talked about being twin flames. And basically what these people were doing, um the, the there was a large part of it where they were just like, We can convince you that you are we they they were pretty much telling people to like stalk whoever they liked. Yes. Um but then it got when people were not getting a return on their investment for, you know, buying into their like big program, they're like, never mind. We found out who you should be married to. And if you're both of the same sex, because like it was a very like popular female thing, you know, you had a, abundantly more women signing up for twin flames. They'd be like, all right, so you two ladies are in, are each other's twin flames. Now, one of you should be a man though. It is, it is wild. And so they had, like, they convinced a lot of, I don't know if I should say a lot of people, but, like, there's a number of people out there who were convinced to make sex changes Jeez. Um, and gender identity changes. But the thing that I wanted to get at. <laughs> this was a was, rabbit hole of the point. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, here, let me, let, me so, let me bring you back where, with me. Tim Hawkins? Back, back to my, yeah, back to my point about, like, just the delusional aspect yeah. of it is they did all of this with a completely volunteer run organization. Yeah. Bad things can happen. Yeah. And even the most, uh, volunteer oriented nonprofit situations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, I mean, it was just the two people at the top and they were telling people they were volunteering so that they could, you know, get like a master class and, you know, yeah. You know, I stalking like, uh, so like, my thing is I churches whine about like, well, we should be the ones helping people. Why do we give money to the government? They're not helping. I just had this conversation with my family a couple months ago about taxes being raised to uh, help school lunch programs. It was, yeah, they, they got a, a tax raise and, and where my, some of my family lives and everyone's up in arms about it. Can't believe they're taking more of our money. And I just kind of rebuttal. I hate to be that guy at family stuff. I was just like, well, what's it going to? Because usually when you get a tax increase, you have to vote on something or collectively everyone said they wanted to vote on this. And like, yeah, everyone said they want to give a dollar of their taxes out of the school lunches. And I was like, 
that sounds like a great idea. Like, it seems like we're pooling money together to solve a problem. Oh, we just don't need this, blah, 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 blah. And churches can blah, blah, blah. And all I can think about is like, well, churches have like, you know, pantries. We could be helping. I'm like, you let me know when the 40 cans of corn will feed the entire school district compared to, you know, the $10 million you get from everyone's taxes. And it's the same thing. Also, like, on that point, on that point, one, the church has been around f- infinitely longer than America. <laughs> so by now, they should have gotten their act together and been paying for kid lunches. Yeah. Where are these point. programs? They should, they should like, where, like, if it's, well, the church should be helping. Well, fucking yeah. Here's the other thing is if the church could get along, and I don't think people realize that there's thousands of denominations in America, not hundreds. Thousands of denominations right. in America, which mean they all have their own little denomination buckets of how they keep their money. SBC obviously is the biggest one in America. I don't know how much they make. They, I'm sure they make a roll tide. They probably <laughs> they probably make close to a billion dollars in revenue. Yeah. If I had to guess, in a year, I'm yeah, sure they at do. least. I would I would think a billion or more. And that's a great point, evidence. Even just the SBC has been an organization for let's say 250 years. I have no idea. Like, where are these giant programs that's helping the world? Like, where I would love to see, I would love it. I would actually would love to see SBC go, you know what? We're gonna build a highway mission board. Oh my international mission board. See, and that's the problem is that they're like big ways of helping the world. It's just more church staff that they're paying. It it, it, to me, it's crazy. It's like, well, look at how many missionaries we sent out last year. Like, you sent 12 missionaries to Cleveland, like <laughs> you're, not, <laughs> you're not digging wells. You're, you know, it's yeah. like you're, you're paying for staff members and you're paying for bigger sanctuaries and bigger church grounds. Is there room in the budget to help people? Of course there is. Of course, some of this money goes towards like shelters and stuff like that. But you think about like 10% of an entire congregation's money. And that, what do you have to show for it after all that? Like, yeah, I get probably 27, 28% of my money goes towards taxes, but I know where it's, I've seen results. I got, I got a fucking salt truck outside. You know who paid for that? My taxes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, at least stuff is, I can see is helping the greater society. So I'm getting a huge soapbox, but anyway, no, so pop this off, whole, King. yeah, this like idea that the church could do it better. I've never understood of like, Show me. I would love to see how much more a church could do if they had the nightmare. I'll finish here is like, imagine if the church did have the amount of money that went from taxes to the church. Do you really think we'd get all those things done like better? No, I think you can look at any mega church in Texas and figure it out. Yeah. Go to any mega church and you'll easily see why is a pastor suddenly making 15 times more than everybody else on staff? It's, it's all the same. Politicians get overpaid, church staff get paid. There's no perfect system. And people act like one or the other is gonna get it fuck, you know, fucking fixed and it won't. But yeah. I gotta catch my breath now. That was <laughs> you're good. Taking me I'll off. step in here and say it like this. Like and one more if, thing. If, I'm just yeah, yeah, and more <laughs> no, 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 no other stuff. Um We've been talking about the school lunch stuff this entire time. We've also known that for a long time, schools have been underfunded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've been like, and it's not like that, like churches haven't done drives for schools in the past, 
but it's always been more of a well, let's do this nice thing for everybody. Like schools have been running their drives yeah. for a long time. Schools have been running their fundraisers. Like, if you like, if you want to put your like, if you really think that the church that your churches can help the schools, if you think churches can supply teachers with, well, they just start their own supplies for what their, they do. They don't even help the public exactly. Schools. They start their own Christian private school. So they, yeah, they don't they don't help the kids where they are. They and so exactly. you have to start your own school and then it's like, well shit, this costs money, so we got to charge tuition. Yep. And we got to you know, pay teachers if we pay them. Um imagine if all the tithing earnings every Sunday if just half of that, so 5% went to public schools. Like Yeah. Just think of how different just for even one month if we just took tithings and instead of it going to churches it went to schools. That would be I'm look. I'm gonna click clack on my keyboard right now. Keyboard, keyboard right now. I want to see how much money goes to tithing in a week. Um, Scott's was Scott's adapting to the Wisconsin dialect. Keyboards up here. It's <laughs> <laughs> click clacking away there. Click bud. clacking away up here. Oh, don't you know? Uh, oh, geez, all this snow. What? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> go go right past the bubbler. Just over there by the bubbler and turn left. Over there by the bubbler and turn left. You know that bubbler right there? It's a bubbler. Uh, the put average your, put your mouth around the bubbler. Weekly, <laughs> weekly donation <laughs> amount by a churchgoer is seventeen dollars. So how much? How many churchgoers are there? I don't know. If if the if a train from Pittsburgh, we'll just say what maybe hundred million people go to church. So what's yeah, that'd be one point seven right. if a hundred million people went to church and oh, we're doing math on the air dollars, then that would be one point seven billion dollars. Yes. So let's just let's just say right at a billion. So one week we can get a billion dollars going towards public this is my campaign platform. I'm running for president, everyone. I have two platform ideas. One is one week out of every month. All tithings go to public schools. And two, we get rid of time zones. No more time <laughs> zones. <laughs> None of them. We're all in the same time. My name's Scott Moran, and I approve of this. I'm message. running for president. No one's going to be I'm upset Scott about Moran, that. and I can. <laughs> uh, Dan. Well, yeah. So Tim Hawkins, I don't know what to say about that guy, but as far as his love or love for hating on the government, I hope it's just pandering. And it, yeah. it speaks to this larger thing that I even saw in churches one time. Um, there was a like, I think we we're doing either a psalm or proverb, and this pastor was up there and was like, you know, don't stray to the left, keep to the right. And the pastor was like, well, that just tells you how to vote right there. And then he kept moving. And it was like me and the rest of the college students just did like a collective eye roll. Um, because we were just like, this is I know some of it's harmless, and I know probably like 90% of it's meant as harmless. Um sure, and it's yeah. you know, I think harmful would be the wrong way to describe it, but there's just such a I I view it as a lazy comedy. Yeah. Because you're not you're not trying. Like you're really not like what what you're doing is you're like I know what they want to hear. 
Yes. I'm not trying to do a hot take. Everything's, this is all safe to do. And I know I'm going to knock it out of the park. It's, that is the issue with Christian or I, comedy I, I know in general. I won't knock it out of the park. I won't knock it out of the park. I know they're going to let me run the bases though. Yes. It's really Christian media and art in general. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's hardly any room for true criticism. Like, yeah. I remember I when I worked at a venue and we had this like Christian media company and they wanted to like show off the, this movie they made. It was like, and just the amount of like people building these, and I get there was friends and family there, but I just thought like there is nobody here that would even bother to go like mm, like this is not like no one's writing review and like Christian yeah. news today like this was trash like no, no one's telling them the truth no. And, and, and like Christian like media too, like is not, it's going to just back it up and go, this is great. This is excellent. Like hundred percent and yeah. give it a golden review. And that's what I think about with Tim Hawkins is like, like you said, with his comedy, is he going to go to a church? He's going to, uh, Cedar Creek <laughs> church in Perrysburg, Ohio, or Peckville assembly of God. It's like, he's already got everybody on his side there. Like there's just, he's not going to make any like, I don't know. Is Peckville also a Peckville strip club? Assembly of God. Peckville. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the worst name. Blakely, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I don't know. It's Welcome ridiculous. to Peckville. Oh, I would love to see him go to an actual strip club and see how it goes. Not to see him strip, of course. You know, to see him perform at a strip club. Hey, so. he's headed to Kenosha. <laughs> Is he really? <laughs> no. All right, Headed by... to Kenosha at Journey Church. Are you kidding me? Oh, what? wait. No, Journey Church. That's I have a the Journey Church right by my house. <laughs> oh. Not that people are interested, though. Where is it going in Indianapolis? Lakeview Church in Indianapolis. Is that where Joel Osteen preaches? I don't know. <laughs> Joel, Joel, Joel Osteen now preaches in Indianapolis. Oh, my gosh. Who would you rather see to wrap up this Tim Hawkins stuff? Would you rather go to a three-hour-long Tim Hawkins concert or a three-hour-long Joel Osteen sermon? Uh, three-hour-long Joel Osteen. Really? Because I think his is just going to be a bunch of fluff and flair. There's going to be no substance to it. No. Like, maybe there's going to be some, like, and the government, they want you to do this. But as long as you believe. And as long as you pray, as long as you give me a hundred million dollars, <laughs> everything's gonna turn out all right. Everything's just just fine. Everything's just fine. I I woke up this morning. My name is Joel Osteen. I, I talk with uh, I talk I, with all thirty two of my teeth. All thirty two of my teeth in the front. <laughs> all my all teeth are uppercase teeth. teeth. <laughs> you see that giant golden glow behind me? It's right there. I'm not a movie villain. I just got a big church with a big golden globe behind me. I definitely look like a Bond I villain. Do, with <laughs> I do look a little bit like a Bond villain. <laughs> but thank God I don't sound like one. I sound like somebody parroting a Bond villain. I just want to give... I sound like huge, an Austin Powers villain. <laughs> a huge shout out to our listeners. for if, you, if this is a week in and week out event for you, thank you for listening to this podcast. And our yeah. Joel Osteen put, impressions. <laughs> put listening to us like if if you're if you're going into a job and they're like, "Hey, 
talk about a talk about a tr- tough time in your life. <laughs> Just bring us up. <laughs> when was the last time you overcame adversity? Say listening to the Unblessed podcast because yeah, just damn. pull out your phone and be like, I listen to this weekly because I like these guys. <laughs> and you click play and extend the interview for an hour. <laughs> See if anybody stays in the room with you when you play the podcast and those people are your friends, but everybody yeah. else hates you and then if they go i've heard enough and just click pause and go i do this every week for an hour so if you can't have them you don't have me okay it's a package deal we really appreciate uh everybody listening um you can again find us at unblessedpodcast.com um that's unblessedpodcast.com unblessedpodcast.com once again unblessedpodcast.com just for those hard of hearing unblessedpodcast.com and in French, that's un blessé podcast. And in uh, in Braille, it's okay. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Just ignore me the rest of the sentence. You wouldn't need it in Braille. I know. <laughs> <laughs> There's no situation. Blind people can listen to podcasts. <laughs> oh, thank God oh. I have a braille version for my <laughs> brother. <laughs> This is an ADA compliant podcast, and we do have it in Braille. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. Um, thank you so much for listening. We have to cut it off. We got to go. My name is Evan. And I'm Scott. And we're sorry. <laughs> we're sorry.